Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Turn with me to Philippians. While you're, uh, while you're turning there, I want, us to, uh, I want us to pray for a minute. And uh, as a church, um, if you uh, saw the news, you would have um, seen of the uh, horrific events that took place in um, Christchurch in New Zealand. And uh, what, uh, what unfolded there this week was, was nothing short of, of horrifying and, and a huge tragedy, a huge loss. And um, it's just heartbreaking. I've, I've done uh, many preaching trips uh, over to New Zealand, um, many friends there and amazing churches there down in Christchurch. It's such a beautiful city um, that has been hit, uh, hit this week with such tragedy and such uh, loss. It's 50, uh, 50 people lost their lives, another 50 people wounded as two uh, as gunmen uh, 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 unloaded, unleashed an attack on two Muslim mosques. And uh, I want us to pray. I want us to pray uh, for that community. How many know that hate is never the answer? Um, it's always the love of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that's what brings people to that place of repentance. And uh, I love the quote that Billy Graham once said. He said, it's our job to love. It's God's job to judge. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And, uh, and it's so important that we as Christians demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I want us to pray. I want us to pray for that community and, and for, that, uh, for that city. Lord God, we come together as a church and uh, we lift up to you the city of Christ Church, Lord, in, in New Zealand, God. And we just cover them right now with the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord God, we declare a hedge of protection around them. God, I just speak... Lord God, over that city and over the tragedy that's unfolded, and I declare your word, Lord, what, what the enemy meant for evil, that you will turn around for the good. I bind evil, I bind hatred, I bind every spirit of disunity that would try and come in and pull a community apart. And I declare that the name of Jesus Christ would be lifted higher than any other name. I declare, Lord, that through this tragedy, Lord God, that churches, that pastors, that ministers would be able to declare the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would see communities turned around. Lord God, that these Muslim communities that have been so impacted by this horrible loss, Lord God, that they would come into contact with real Christians who love Jesus, that will demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ, that would love them unconditionally and show them truly what your heart is. We cover them when we continue to speak healing. We speak peace over that nation in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. As we uh, look... In Philippians, I want you to turn there and uh, Philippians chapter one, and uh, we're going to start. Uh, we're going to start reading, and I'm going to skip through some things and and have a look at some stuff. I feel God has been um, taking me on a little bit of a journey um, as I've been focusing um, primarily on on the the books of Paul and the letters of Paul. Um, last week um, we talked about. Paul and we talked about what it means to be pushed by your purpose. You remember last week? Um, we talked about where Paul referred to in Scripture, the weight of glory. He talks about a weight um, and the word weight, what that actually means. It means something that is heavy, something that's a burden. But the second part of that word, it actually means to walk. 
So it's not a weight that weighs me down, but it's a weight that pushes me forward that despite situations that I have going on in my life and circumstances, that if I can be like Paul, I'll know what it is to be pushed forward into my destiny by my purpose. That there is a purpose, that there is a calling upon each one of us that would push us forward into what God has for us. And so I felt the Holy Spirit lead me um, to this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And Paul, it's an interesting letter because the book... Philippians in the Bible is referred to as the happiest of books. The book that we're about to read and the Scriptures are about to read come from this book, Philippians, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. It's talked about and referred to as, as the book in the Bible that, that speaks more of the joy of God than anything else. It's one of those books that if you're feeling down and you start to read it, if you let it, it'll get in your spirit and it'll start to pick you up a little bit. You, you, can, you can just, you don't even need to understand everything that's happening on the pages. That's the power of the Word of God. But if you start to read it, because of the touch, the anointing that's upon the Word of God, especially upon this book, it'll pick up your spirit and stir something within you of the hope of God. And Paul starts writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Again, that's another letter that we know um, Paul wrote from a prison. Paul right now is in prison and these, these verses that we're about to read, I want again, I want you to understand that this is coming from the context of somebody that is in prison. Isn't it interesting that the happiest book written in the Bible was written from a dark down place? You would think that a book in the Bible that is happier and more joyful and speaks more hope than any other book was written, would have been written from a beach chair in the Bahamas while someone's holding a pen in one hand and an umbrella drink in the other. But this is not Paul. This is Paul. Paul is sitting in a prison and he grabs a pen and he starts to write this letter to encourage the church in Philippi. Let me tell you something about this prison. This particular one is different to other prisons because what they've chosen to do with Paul in this prison is they've chosen to chain him to a Roman officer. So Paul is in prison, chained to an officer, arm in arm. And what they would do is the officers would go on shifts. Every 24 hours, a new officer would come in and they would switch out the old officer and put a new one in and he would be chained to Paul. Paul went 24-7 in this particular prison with an officer chained to him the whole entire time. And Paul starts to write, and I wanna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna focus primarily on Philippians 1 chapter 19. But before we get there, I want you to see something here. He starts, and I'm just gonna pull some of these verses out, but he says as he begins the book and speaks over the church in Philippi, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can already hear the hope in his heart, can't you? I thank my God. Hang on, you're chained to a prisoner. I thank my God when I think of you, making requests for you all with joy, say with joy. We know this verse, but he says, being confident, say confident. Being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it 
until the day of Jesus Christ. He says further on that I have you in my heart, that you are partakers of this grace with me. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ, that your love may abound. Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In verse 12, it actually this situation that's going on around me is actually turned out for the furtherance or for the advancement of the Gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, these jokers that are around me, that are trying to hold me back, these guys that come in and get chained to me, this is all part of a purpose and is to glorify God and lift up God. You can keep going through these verses and see a what I'm trying to identify now for you is a pattern. Whenever you look at Scripture, a great way to look at Scripture, if you wanna try and grasp the deeper message that can be found in the deeper things within Scripture, look for a pattern. There's a pattern in these verses. Paul is starting and there's a pattern of joy. There's a pattern of faith. There's a pattern of hope. You know what I'm seeing in these early verses of Paul in Philippians is I'm seeing a pattern of praise. There is a pattern all throughout Philippians that is praising God. Now understand, we need to be reminded because we use the word praise a lot in church or we associate it with the fast songs that begin a service, but praise is deeper than that. Praise is not a song, it's a lifestyle. Praise is what it is to have a joy within your spirit, a hope within your spirit, an expectation within your spirit, a hop in your step, if you like. Praise, when you feel praise come upon you, it makes you wanna get up and do what God has called you to do. It'll be praise that'll allow that push of your purpose that we talked about last week. If you live a lifestyle of praise, this is the type of thing that will start coming out of your mouth. Because as the Word says, out of the abundance or out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. And some of you find it hard to speak praise because you don't have praise in your heart. But if you get praise in your heart, it'll start coming out of your mouth and it'll begin to guide your steps and you'll feel hope come upon you and your spirit will be lifted because you've had a, a pattern, a pattern of praise. So Paul, Paul has this, and this is what we're seeing in these verses. It's a pattern. It's woven through everything, everything. The dude's chained to a Roman officer. He's chained to a guard, but he's still preaching praise. There's a pattern of praise through his life. This is what it means to live a lifestyle of praise, that no matter what's going on, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter the curveball that the enemy throws at me and sometimes life throws at me, there's a pattern of praise that's woven through my innermost being. It's who I am. It's not what I do. I'm a praiser. There's praise within my spirit. I will always declare the goodness of God. I will always declare the faithfulness of God, even if I don't perhaps see it in the natural. My praise is not based on the natural. It's based on the eternal. It's grounded in the Word of God. It's not something I feel. It's something I declare. My God is good and I will always praise Him. This is where we're at. This is this is, I'm painting this picture for you. And so Paul in verse 19, and I want us to look at this because what I'm gonna talk to you about tonight, this morning, I'm sorry, is, is similar to last week. In that, we're gonna talk again about purpose. But what I want, last week, I talked about what it is to be pushed by your purpose. 
But today I wanna talk to you surrounding this this, this thought, praise on purpose. Praise on, not praise on a feeling, We do that. We know what that is. That's one type of praise when things feel good and you start saying, God, I got a check in the mail. Praise Jesus, hallelujah, shunda baba. We run around the room. But how many know that that's not reality? You don't live in that. It's not praise based on a song. We've done that and we can do that at the start of the service and they will tell you to raise your hands and you raise your hands, you get excited and you sing the song. But how many know that when you leave, the band does not go with you? That would be weird. So what we're doing is I wanna teach you to know what it is to praise on a deeper level than what's based on your external circumstances. I want you to get in your spirit what it is to praise your God on purpose, not on religion, not by accident, not by feeling, not by what's going on around you, but praising God on purpose. Won't you take 10 seconds now and praise Him on purpose like you know this is what you're called to do. This is why He's got you here, not to take, but to give, to give God praise. Paul, Paul knows what it is to praise God. On pur- That's how you can praise Him because it's only a praise on purpose that can come out of a prison. It's only a praise on purpose that'll come out of a prison. And so he says in Philippians 1.19, I, I want you to get these words and I want you to let them get in your spirit. Are you listening? Nudge someone if they look like they're falling asleep. Say, it's not gonna be long. He's got 20 minutes. For I know, say, I know. Say it like you really believe. Say, I know. Say it like the enemy's tried to lie at you and tell you things that are contrary to God's Word. Say it from your spirit. Say, I know. Say it like people are trying to convince you otherwise and trying to cause you to doubt your destiny and doubt your purpose and doubt what God has called you to do. Say, I know. Paul says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Hang on, hang on. He's sitting there. Listen, listen, he's sitting there. He's sitting, I was gonna sit on the ground, but I'm not gonna. He's sitting there. And he's got a prison guard. Hang on. You got a prison guard that is chained to your arm. And you write this. I know. I know. Isn't it interesting that the limitation that was sent to try and hold him down, when Paul writes, if, if somebody is chained to me, When I move, it's gotta move with me. What the enemy meant for evil, I'm gonna use to pen one of the happiest books in Scripture. I know that God sent you to hold me back, but because I'm not chained to you, but you're chained to me, you're gonna do what I do and you might feel like doing something else in my life right now and this situation might have come with the focus to try and pull you down, but I'm gonna use this situation to lift my God up and I'm gonna start to write these words. I know, I know say I know that this, that this, say this, 
this, this, this, what you're going through, this, what the enemy's been trying to use to keep you up at night, this, what the enemy's been trying to put in front of you to get your focus of what God has called you to do, this, that thing that didn't want you to come to church this morning, this, that stuff, those thoughts in your mind that are trying to hold you back from your purpose, the limitations. He says, this is all going to turn around or turn out. Say turn out. Listen, listen, you know what was happening in this story? I love this. These guards are being sent to Paul, 24 hour shifts. And these dudes were mean, these jokers were not playing. These, these guys come in, they're rough, they're tough, they're ugly. And they're sent to hold, I mean, maybe they were good looking, but let's just say they were ugly, I don't know. But, but they were sent to, to, to weigh him down. The Romans, the Romans were, were well trained in the art of torture and in the art of war. They, they knew what they were doing. And, and they're, they're, they're sent with a specific purpose. See, it's interesting. Everyone else is thrown in prison, but Paul's thrown in prison and tied to a guard. It, 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 it says something to me. It says that they're not just trying to kill. Why tie him to a guard? Well, they're, they're not just trying to hold him down. They're trying to get in his spirit because it was what he preached that they hated the most. So if they can get in his spirit and cause him to have doubt and unbelief and question who Jesus is and question the message he's preaching, then then their efforts are gonna be effective. But watch what happens. If you study the story, because of what is in Paul and because of the power that he has operating within him, that's not just staying within him, but flowing out of him. Every time they send a Roman guard, the Roman guard sits beside Paul for 24 hours. And during that 24 hours, every single guard, Paul leads those guards to the Lord. This, this, this is, listen, do, do you know how humiliating that would be for the warden of that prison? He's sending men to try and hold back his spirit, but the spirit that's in Paul gets inside of these men and they leave one way, but they come out another way. That's why Paul says, this, this is gonna turn around. Because I've been watching these jokers come in here and it only takes me 24 hours to turn them around and send them out different to how they came in. So the same thing that's happening with them is the same thing that's about to happen with you. And it is about to turn around. The, 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 the punishment, the punishment is not working. It's, 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 it's not, their efforts are futile. It's, it's a waste of time because, because you cannot hold back. You could put a boundary around a person, but you cannot hold back the Spirit of God. Me and my wife right now, um, I, I am, have been researching forms of punishment for two-year-olds. <laughs> That's right. And, and we're, we're, we're in that stage of parenthood where we are navigating the best form of punishment for a two-year-old. Do you know what I'm talking about, parents? Not if you do. Um, and, 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 and that's where we're at right now. And, and a particular book um, that someone gave me that I was reading uh, talked about the effectiveness of the timeout chair. You know the timeout chair? So I remember when I read it, um, you know, because Luke is our first, was our first child. And so this was the first time that I was going to be able to carry out a form of punishment on another human being and it'd be okay. 
Now, as bad as this sounds and as much as an unhealthy parent as this makes me seem, I was quite looking forward to this. I read the book and they said, you've got to get the chair and you've got to separate the chair from other chairs and you've got to put him in the chair and he's got to understand exactly what he's doing and why he went there and you've got to ignore him for a few minutes so he knows that this is a punishment. So I read the book and I was excited. I'm like, I'm ready to do it. I'm a man of my house. I'm gonna leave my kids and spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm ready to go. Let's go as for me and my house. I'm quoting scriptures to myself like I'm ready. And, and so what I started doing, I started following Luca around the house. <laughs> They call human services on me. Listen, I would follow Luca around the house waiting for him to mess up. I was ready to go. Come on, I read the book. I had the chair. I just needed the misbehaving kid. And I knew if I stay with him long enough, something's gonna happen. So I stayed with him and I was waiting and waiting. And then finally, there it was. This is so unhealthy. There it was. And, and finally, finally, there it was. It was a tantrum. The tantrum of all tantrums. So here I am, I've read the book, I'm ready to go and I go in and I pick him up. Luca, because it's all, it's all about you know, the, the authority in the voice, but the deeper your voice is, the more authoritative it sounds and the better you feel as a man. Come on. And so I go, I'm like, Luca, but then I realised it was too high. So I had to say Luca a few times just to find the right time, tone, you know. So I'm Luca, Luca, Luca. Right, there it is, Luca, feel that? Oh, shift in the atmosphere, Luca, right now. He looks, he looks at me like, what are we doing? I said, listen, Luca, listen, hey, listen. And I'll pick him up, but not with two hands. That's like what Carissa does, that's too comforting. I'll pick him up, one arm. Come on, under, under, you know. Like I, got my, I got my two-year-old. I'm gonna get an email for this for sure. I got my two-year-old, listen. And we're going, hey. Hey, we go into timeout. Like I'm telling him, like he knows what that is, you know. I'm, so here we go. We go and we'll march off to the timeout chair. And I put him in a timeout chair. I'm like, right, now listen to me. And he's looking at me like complete and utter confusion. No idea what is going on or what I'm doing. I said, listen, Luca, stay there for, for two minutes. And think about, like he's two, like what, think about what you did. I don't know, like that's what the book says, so I did it. So, and think about what you did. But then it says in the book, after you put them there, you gotta ignore them, right? So I say, and stay there. And then I go, <laughs> and marched off like I just conquered the world. Listen, the more dramatic it is, the better it feels. Like, you know, I felt good. I thought, oh, here we go, here we go. That's right, Ben. And I'm telling myself, I'm, I'm building myself up. You're the man of your house. That's right. I think I caught myself in a mirror as I was walking. I was like, yeah, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, you got this. You got this, Ben. And as I am, listen, as I'm, I'm in the kitchen, he's in timeout, sitting there, thinking about what he's done wrong. Broken. Yeah, that's right. Broken. Hurting and repentant. <laughs> Fatherhood at its best. But then something happened as I'm in the kitchen. I hear a noise coming from the timeout chair that did not emanate brokenness and repentance. I wanted to hear some sniffling of a child that was hurt and crying. I wanted to see a tear. Come on, let's be honest. I wanted just one down the cheek would have been perfect. A little lip quiver. Come on, somebody, I would have known. That's right, that's what happens when you mess with your dad. No, 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 none, none of that. I, 
that didn't happen. As I'm, I'm in the kitchen, I hear this noise coming from the chair. I turn around to find my son who's meant to be broken and hurting, thinking about what he's done wrong, ready to promise dad that he will never do it again. He's sitting there with a toy plane in one hand and a truck in the other. The timeout chair may as well have been a carnival ride. This kid was happier than I have ever seen him in my life. He didn't care that he was in a timeout chair. He didn't care what was going on around him. He made a decision, you know what? You try and do what you want, but right now I'm pretty content and I'm pretty happy with a little toy plane and a truck that my surrounding is not about to steal my joy as much as you might try. Listen, church, there's something about that spirit that I think we need to get inside of us that says I've got something within me that it doesn't matter where you put me, something's always gonna come out of me that is of joy, that is of praise, that is of hope that no circumstance around me can destroy. This is what's happening with Paul. They've put Paul in a prison, but the prison is not getting inside of his spirit because Paul has made a decision that he's gonna live a life that praises on a purpose. He has established that he has a purpose in his life. His purpose is not to stay out of prison. His purpose is not to live a healthy life as great as these things are. His purpose is not to get as much blessing as he possibly can. His purpose is not to be as successful as he possibly can. Let me show you what Paul has established is the purpose of his life from which he will always praise. And it's found in verse, 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified. This, this right here, this is why prison cannot stop His praise. This is why persecution cannot stop His praise. This is why they can beat him, they can stone him, they can threaten to kill him, but it still will not stop his praise because his praise is rooted in a purpose. He is praising on a purpose and that purpose is to simply magnify God with every single thing that is in his life. Do you know how powerful Establishing a purpose in your life to magnify God really is. See, we have this idea that our purpose is to live a blessed life. No, 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 that is a byproduct. Our purpose is to magnify Him. How do you praise on a purpose? 
You've got to understand and recognise that your purpose is to magnify Him. And if my purpose is to magnify Him, it doesn't matter what my prison is or my persecution may feel like or what walls fall down around me or how beaten up I feel or how broke I may feel or how hurt I may feel or whatever it is that I may going through that may be going through that's trying to steal my praise. If my praise is established upon a purpose, to glorify Him, I will always live a life of praise. How does Paul do it? How do you go through letter after letter, but still be just talking up? How do you always have joy in your spirit? Paul, how are you always speaking hope, speaking life? How are you always up? Why is it continually despite what you go through? Because Paul has determined that he is gonna praise founded upon a purpose. I want you to write down three words for me. If you're taking notes, punch them into your phone or on your iPad or get them tattooed on your arm after the service. Three words. This is three ways praising on purpose will influence your life. I want you to write down perspective. I want you to write down priorities. And I want you to write down perseverance. These are the three ways praising on purpose will influence your life. You will get, when you've made a decision that you're gonna praise, and again, praise on a purpose, not, not praise on a feeling. Praise on a feeling's not gonna last. Not praise on a moment. Praise on a moment won't last either because we all have great moments, but we also have down moments. Not praise on a song. Not praise based on what a person says to you. Not praise based upon a situation, but praising based upon, grounded upon a purpose will give you a greater perspective. Paul, how is Paul able to sit in prison and write, I know that this is gonna turn around for the good. It's a perspective that he has. He's looking at his situation from a totally different vantage point to the regular person. Praise gave him that perspective. Praise based on a purpose gave him that perspective. That's why in the Old Testament, the tribe of praise always went first. That's why David said, I enter, I enter his gates with thanksgiving. I enter his courts with praise. David said, I'm gonna start first with praise. Because if I begin with praise, it gives me a perspective on everything else that's going on in my life and I won't view it as a victim, I'll view it as a victor, but I've got to begin first with praise because praise elevates my spirit. And Paul says, I know. That word I know is made up of two words, two Greek words. The first word, it means to gaze or to look at. And the second word means to experience. Paul says, he's in prison, got this joker chained to his arm, doesn't know what tomorrow's gonna hold. Could be death. He says, I know, I've looked at this before and I've experienced it before. Let me ask you this, whatever you're going through, more often than not, you've gone through worse. 
More often than not, not always. Sometimes some of you, maybe you're walking through something that's the worst thing you've ever dealt with. But more often than not, I've found that most challenges that people are going through right now in your life, if I was to ask you, look back at your life, has it ever been worse? More often than not, we would say, yeah, you know what, it has. And look, you made it. Which means you have before experienced the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God to turn your situation around. Why would what you're facing right now be any different? I know. I don't feel it, but I know. I don't understand it, but I know. I don't get it, but I know. This is the perspective that Paul has on his prison, but he got it because he was praising based on a purpose that said, I exist to give God praise. That's why Paul says, you know what? Later on in the verse, I love it in verse 22, he says, but if I to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labour, which will mean basically that'll be good. I get to live. Come on, that's better than dying. Not according to Paul. He goes on, he says, yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. Verse 23, for I am hard pressed. Paul says, this is so crazy if you understand how powerful these verses are. Paul says, I I might live tomorrow, but I might die. And listen to this. He says, but I, I can't decide which is better. Hang on, what? Bro, what, what, are, what headspace are you living in? One of praise based on a purpose. Because Paul says, you know what? I mean, if I live, I get to stay and God will get glory out of my life. But if I die, God will still get glory and I'll get to be with Him. So Paul's sort of like, I mean, I love it. And then he's basically saying, you know what? I mean, either way, either way, I'm good. You know how powerful that is? That makes him untouchable to the enemy. What do you do with a dude that will look hell itself and death in the face and say, hmm, I'm good. I mean, whatever, do whatever you gotta do because God's gonna get the glory because that's my purpose. My purpose isn't even to live. If I die, I've achieved my purpose as long as God gets all the glory. Listen, listen, listen. I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna hurt a little bit, but it'll be good for you. God does not owe us anything. There's there's this rhetoric that goes in the church that I've given my life to Him and somehow He owes me blessing. Somehow, somehow it's my right. Like you have to do this. Like we talk about Him like He's a genie in a bottle that if I do the right things and He'll appear and give me what He owes me. Listen, one of the most powerful revelations you can get in your Christian walk is simply the fact that He does not owe, I, He does not owe me. I, I owe Him. 
about everything else. Listen, everything else. Yes, He wants me to be blessed. Yes, He wants me to be healed. Yes, He wants restoration for your family. Yes, He wants to pour out favour on your life. But all of those things are a bonus. That my purpose is not to be blessed. That's a byproduct. My purpose is to magnify or to make God bigger. And when I show and demonstrate, when you demonstrate to Him that you are sold out with a purpose that'll make God bigger, He will pour more blessing into your lap than you can handle because He knows He can trust you with it and you'll praise Him for every bit of blessing you get. It's a perspective. And when I, when I praise on purpose, it helps me establish my priorities. Paul says, I know that this is gonna turn out for my deliverance, but he says, this is how it's gonna happen. In other words, this is what I need. This is, Paul says, he says, this is what I value. This is what I value. I need you to pray. I need you to pray. And then he says, through prayer and the supply of the Spirit. I need prayer and I need power. It's gonna turn around. It's gonna turn around. But what I value the most in this process is your prayers and His power. What do you prioritise in your life? If you would make prayer a priority, prayer a priority in your life, try it. Try it for the next seven days. If you're someone who is baptised in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, try praying in tongues for 15 minutes every day for the next seven days. If you're not baptised in the Holy Spirit, come forward at the end of the service, we'll pray for that and you'll be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Then you can do it too. But if you don't, cannot do that, just pray 15 minutes. Do this. Maybe, maybe you're new to church. That's all right. Let me help you. Do, do this for 15 minutes a day. Just tell God how good He is. It doesn't sound, you might think, man, that doesn't sound like very spiritual. This is how Jesus instructed the disciples to pray. Hallowed be your name. That, that's, that's Bible talk for God. You're so good. You're so good to me. God, I thank You. God, I've got things that I'm believing for, but I just wanna spend 15 minutes and just say how grateful I am for You. I don't know why You keep coming through for me. I don't think I would come through for me. If I had someone that treated me the same way that I treat you sometimes, God, see again, it's through the mindset. If you change your mindset from thinking that He owes you, it'll help you give Him more glory because you'll recognise that every single thing that He did for you was not owed to you. It was given to you by His grace and His goodness being poured out upon your life. You say, you say, God, God, I just thank You. God, I thank You for my life. I thank You for my family. 
God, I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my marriage. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Not all things are perfect, but God, you gave them to me and I didn't deserve it. God, if it was not for you, I know I would not be here. God, you've given me things that I didn't even ask for. God, I thank you for covering me. I thank you for protecting me from things that I don't even know about, that the enemy sent my way, but you cut them off in the process. I thank you for it. I thank you for your word. I thank you that I can stand on it. I thank you that with all things around me that might change, that this never changes. I thank you, look God, that when I don't know what to do, I can pray. I can get away with you. I can shut the door to the world and just focus on you and that there is peace there. Listen, 15 minutes. How different did the last 30 seconds make in your life when I just prayed? See, something starts to happen in our spirit, doesn't it? Listen, that was about 20 seconds. What if you did 15 minutes for the next seven days? Not, not requests, don't worry about those. Just telling Him, God, You're so good. God, You're so good. You come back in here in seven days time, you'll be read about, blow this place up, run on the stage and grab the mic yourself because your spirit will be so stirred because that's what prayer does. It's not about requests. It's about connecting you closer with your heavenly Father. It's priorities, prayer, power of God. How often do you rely upon the power of God in your life? It's His power. We need His power. We need His power. Have you gotten so good at what you do that you're not leaning upon His power anymore? Are you so quick to run out the door and go and do your job? Run the business? Take the kids to school? Do your, do your thing that you've forgotten about how much you need His power? We need His power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit living and active in our lives. In order for you to do what God has accomplished, what God has called you to do, in order for you to accomplish it, you need His power. Paul prioritised these two things. He said, I need prayer and I need power. I need prayer from you and I need power from Him. And the last thing is praising on purpose will give you a perseverance. Paul, how do you keep going? You read these letters in Scripture, you read letter after letter, prison after prison, beating after beating. I mean, it's one thing to take a hit and praise, but it's another thing to take hit after hit after hit. Listen, he was taking hits not just from the Romans, not just from outside Oppression that was coming his way. He was taking hits from people in the church. I found those are the harder ones because I don't expect all that much from lost people. But it's when the ones that should know better, that choose to use the words that God asked them to use to build someone up, and they choose to use those words to pull someone down. I found, I found for me, those are the hits that are harder to take. When they come from people that are meant to love you 
and support you. But it's not love and support that comes, it's ridicule and it's hatred and it's pull down. If ever in a day and age, I am so sick and tired of negativity, of hurt, of pain. We've all had things that we go through, but let's not make a decision that we're gonna allow what we go through to be pushed out onto other people and we're gonna pull people down and ridicule and hurt and attack. Why don't we make a decision that we're gonna build up and we're gonna stir and we're gonna inspire and we're gonna speak life and we're gonna declare greatness over people and we're gonna do what the Word says when He says encourage people to good works. What if we created an atmosphere at Free Chapel where you walk in hating, but you walk out loving? What if we created an atmosphere? What if we made a decision that we were gonna build an atmosphere that said, you get around me and I'm just gonna love you no matter what you look like or what you believe because there's something inside of me that I've made a decision. I'm gonna praise. I'm gonna praise on purpose. But Paul, he gets a perseverance. He keeps going. Three in verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You, when you praise on purpose, and that purpose is to magnify God, you will not get off track, discouraged or disheartened by anything exterior that goes on around you because you are firmly planted upon the purpose that God has given you and you praise upon that, you will keep going because no matter what you face, He's still worthy of our praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.